Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 25th chapter. Then Jesus said to the disciples, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left hand, you that are cursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it, for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The gospel of the Lord. On the faraway island of Salamisan, Yurgle the turtle was king of pond. A nice little pond. It was clean. It was neat. The water was warm. There was plenty to eat. The turtles had everything turtles might need, and they were all happy, quite happy indeed. They were until Yertle, the king of them all, decided the kingdom he ruled was too small. So Yertle the Turtle King lifted his hand and Yertle the Turtle King gave a command. He ordered nine turtles to swim to his stone and using these turtles, he built a new throne. He made each turtle stand on one another's back and he piled them all up in a nine turtle stack. And then Yertle 
and he sat down on the pile. What a wonderful view. He could see most of mine. All mine, Myrtle cried. All the things I now rule. I'm king of a cow, and I'm king of a mule. I'm king of a house, and what's more, beyond that, I'm king of a blueberry bush and a cat. I'm Myrtle the turtle, oh marvelous me, for I am the root of all that I see. For the 19 of you in the world who have never read Dr. Seuss's masterpiece, Yurgle decides that his perch is not high enough. So he orders more turtles, at least 200 more. And now his throne allows him to see for 40 miles or more, and it's still not enough. So more turtles are, must come, and he needs 5,607, he says, spent all the way up to heaven. Because even kids know that's what a king does. A king orders people around and sits on a throne and rules. A king is high and exalted and mighty. The king is the most important person in the realm and everybody serves the king and they do whatever the king wants and they try to make the king happy. And if the king's not happy, nobody's happy. On this day of Christ the King, we celebrate the supremacy of Jesus Christ. We recognize his reign, his rule over all of creation. We listen to the writer of the letter to the Colossians, who says he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. In him and for him, all things in heaven and on earth were created things visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. And he himself is above all things. And in him, all things hold together. He's the head of the body, we're taught. The head of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that we might come to have he might come to have first place in all things. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. I tell you, that's pretty important. It's pretty exalted. For years, you know, long years, God's people have been praying for that kind of a ruler, for a king, for someone who would sit on God's throne with power and might. The Old Testament lesson. Uh, Let's us in on this ancient hope. Surely the days are coming. Surely the days are coming. We know about kings from Yergel to Solomon. The king is in charge. The king is the one who lives in the palace. The king is the one who enjoys all the benefits of royalty. So today when we confess Christ as king, we're given this remarkable opportunity to enter into his palace, to see him lifted high and exalted and seated on his throne. But it's a place called the skull. The throne room is actually a hillside 
and there are three crosses. And as we approach this place, we see three men and they have been nailed to these crosses and on these crosses, they will suffer and die. Two of them are criminals. They hang, hung, hang on either side of the other man and the man in the middle, as he hangs there, he asks God whom he calls dad to forgive the people who have done this to him. Because he is not a criminal, though he is being treated like one. And he is not resisting. He is not returning evil for evil. He's not calling on his minions and angels to overthrow his enemies because he knows that evil begets evil and violence begets violence. And above his head, on that little cross on which he hangs, there is a title on a little sign that says, this is the king of the Jews. If you look at his loyal subjects, some of them are gambling for his clothing. Oh, I hope I get his clothes. You know, as much hell as this man is raised, I bet I can get a real fine price uh, for that cloak. The religious people, the leaders of the faith who have conspired to put him on the cross are scoffing at him. He saved himself. Let's sit, I'm sorry, he saved others. Let's see if he can save himself if he is the Messiah, the King of God. The Roman soldiers mock him. <laughs> Some king, what a joke. You pathetic, ridiculous fool. Here, let's give you some sour wine to drink. How can this Jesus be the Messiah promised of old? Look at him there and thrown on a cross, naked, with a crown of thorns. Can this really be the Son of God? One bandit representing the eyes of the world says, prove yourself. Prove yourself. If you are the Son of God, save yourself and us. The second bandit sees with the eyes of the heart eyes of faith. He looks at Jesus hanging on the cross, tortured and dying, and sees his Savior. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus offers him this promise to truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. But it doesn't end there. The greatest power the world can bring against us is death. That God has shown us that we have a power greater than the world's power. We have the power of resurrection. Life is God's answer to the cross. Jesus says, I lay down my life for you, but death is not the end. Christ has died, you say. Christ is risen, you say. Christ will come again. Christ the King. We like the image and revelation of a throne in heaven adorned with every jewel and dripping with gold and precious stones, gleaming in its brilliance, massive in its weight, a throne of worldly power, the kind that demands respect. But Jesus shows us there is another kind of power. Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. The world understands force, but Jesus shows us the power of forgiveness. 
the world takes that God gives. And then we see it in his rising, that in giving and forgiving, Christ our King wins. Amen.